Welcome to the Kershaw Podcast, a series of conversations with industry experts talking about how we supply and procure digital services. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this short version of podcasts where we focus on and celebrate the birth and the anniversary of the digital marketplace. The digital marketplace celebrates its eighth anniversary this week, and we are focusing on insight from all different types of person that have been involved in the digital marketplace today. Today, I'm really lucky to kick this series off with talking to Warren Smith, former director of the digital marketplace and now associate director at Kershaw Limited, James Finlay, co-founder at Stance Global. Thank you both for joining. Warren, first question to you, what is the digital marketplace? It's a very good question, David. For me, there's probably a couple of levels to this answer, but fundamentally, it's a platform that enables buyers in the public sector of the UK to commission digital data and technology products and services and capabilities from a very diverse range of providers of those services to enable them to deliver transformed digital public services. That's kind of like the, I would say that's the obvious answer to the question, but I would also say that it is a illustration, an example of how teams across the public sector can approach public procurement in a very different way that puts users at the heart of solving problems, supports more collaborative and multidisciplinary working, focuses on outcomes and impact and benefit rather than the very traditional approach to procurement, which tends to be highly prescriptive, quite painful, riddled with friction and not in support of collaborative relationships. It helps to provide a transactional service, but really I think it can be a pattern and inspiration for how others could apply the same things within their country context. So James, you heard from Warren talk about this inspiration of how other countries can use the pattern and the patterns that have been created in the digital marketplace. So is it fair to celebrate this eighth anniversary? It is, because it is actually a remarkable vehicle for how government has changed contracting for the public sector in the United Kingdom. And I think it's applicable to meeting challenges that uh, countries have all over the world. If I cast my mind back when I was the tech leader for the Department for Transport a long time ago now. But uh, pre-2010, there was a lot of work thinking about how, I think it was referred to as oligopoly at the time, how there were significant major contracts that was uh, spread between just a small handful of very, very large suppliers. And G Cloud, which was the first framework ahead of the wider digital marketplace and digital outcomes and specialists, was there to say, yeah, okay, we have these major contracts that are in place, but actually, long term, we need to have much smaller contracts with emerging suppliers and SMEs, most of which are much more comfortable with the concept of shorter term contracts. And the original concept was to try to drive people off huge data centre, on-premise data centres into the cloud by 2015, I think it was actually. And in terms of that change, it's been incredibly successful and it's gone beyond that, of course. And whilst, uh, you know, there is still a requirement to have, you know, traditional suppliers to have longer term contracts. I think the marketplace, I think I can't remember how many people there were when it or digital marketplace first started. There were only a few hundred suppliers on there at the moment. And Warren will have the figures, no doubt. But I think it's sort of 15, 20,000 now. I mean, how remarkable is that? The bulk of which are SMEs. And again, Warren will probably, uh, old Stato, he'll have uh, all the facts and figures around the volume that's gone through 
the digital marketplace over the last eight, uh, seven or eight years. I mean, it is absolutely astonishing. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, Warren, but I think it's the most successful digital sort of technology framework the government have. I'm hoping Warren now comes up with these stats. I mean, the listeners are, are waiting, Warren, if you can quickly <laughs> find your link to these stats. Over to you. Yeah, I think James is is absolutely right. You know, that's just not me. Obviously, I'm biased, but we can evidence this based on data. So fortunately, the Crown Commercial Service do publish the reported spend through the digital marketplace and the open dashboard. And that data is updated, uh, I believe, on a weekly basis every Sunday. I'm not that I'm checking. Yeah, I think if we kind of look back to the very, very early days, and in fact, the first six months of the predecessor when G Cloud uh, framework went live via the cloud store, I think by November 2012, there was about five and a half million pounds spent through it with, as James says, a relatively small number of suppliers. But now we, we look at that dashboard today and you're looking at roughly monthly averages about between 250 and 300 million pounds per month so that's a staggering increase and we've got literally thousands of public sector organizations across the uk spending with thousands of suppliers in total there's been over 16 billion pounds spent through digital marketplace in that time so it is staggering if i could just while i have <laughs> the uh, the open mic just refer back to something that james mentioned around some original objectives dealing with things like highly duplicative approaches that were taken in isolation around things like creating on-premise data centers. I mean, I believe the Cabinet Office conducted a survey of CIOs at the time across government. James may have even been one of the recipients of that. And that CIO survey found that there were at least 220 data centers across central government with an estimated hundreds more being potentially in place across the wider the public sector, but only 7% of that capacity was being used on average. So you had not only highly duplicative, expensive capital expenditure on-premise data centers, but extremely wasteful when 93% of the capacity was not even being used. So this was really the result of isolated decision-making, a lack of appreciation of looking across government to understand what it already owned, and a lack of coordination in terms of helping teams and departments make the right decisions. So I think the digital marketplace as a, a really important element within a broader set of reforms like spend controls, like the standards-based approach to helping make good decisions at the pre-procurement planning stage are really, really, really fundamental. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that people forget. They look at it purely as a sort of a procurement framework, but actually it was a key enabler. You know, we're only talking like 10, 15 years ago where you had a lot of bespoke applications, but it opened the way for all of those applications and the services which were ripe, absolutely ripe for offering through a cloud framework effectively. You know, email collaboration tools, all the enterprise uh, resource planning stuff that was going around. And it was recognised at the time, Chris Chant, absolutely hero of mine for driving this forward, along with lots of others like Denise McDonough, who was the CTO at the Home Office at the time, who actually took on the SROs for G Cloud. They recognised that some of those sort of conventional line of business applications, which were far more specialised, typically bespoke, because they were dealing with things like counterterrorism, police, defence, but they would change over time. But the whole point, it was driving to a commoditized direction of travel. And the digital marketplace was fundamental 
instrumental in enabling the technologists within government to commission that activity and that huge change. And I remember having the conversations with Chris and Denise, and Martin Bellamy, actually, who was the, the precursor to Chris. It was always recognised this was a massive change management exercise as well within the culture across both procurement and the IT crowd. Um, and you had, when we did some early market testing, both in the marketplace and within central government, it was around 20% of people were looking for change, who were desperate for it. You had 20% who absolutely were like, this is going to be the worst thing. You could never have government services in the cloud. And through this sort of Wild West procurement framework. And you had everyone else in the middle who were just sort of standing by looking really to be shown the way. And I think it allowed and enabled all of the changes that then were developed by the government digital service when it was set up. It enabled them to do the changes in an incredibly rapid period of time that we sort of take for granted now. James, you talked about SME, shorter term contracts, etc. You're an SME. What does the digital marketplace mean to you as, I suppose, a supplier that's on there? That's interesting. Well, sitting the other side of the fence, as it were, it's helped me sort of reinforce the belief that I had that not just the smaller businesses and the supply chain can support and help government, but the digital marketplace was set up really to help government get the IT that it wants and that works and I think we take for granted, actually, and maybe to a degree that's still true, that everyone in government thought they were quite special. And again, I'm harking back to a speech by Chris Chant called The Unacceptable. And it was to the Institute for Government. I can't remember what it was. I think it was like 2011, 2012, something like that. And it landed really interestingly across both central government and all the supply chain. But fundamentally, he was talking about how government wasn't that special. Yes, yeah, it did need sort of special IT, but he talked talked about how the suppliers at the time needed to think the same and you know you know they always pro- uh, proposed sort of overcomplicated solutions to relatively simple problems and having seen all of that as i sit supply side i just think actually that whole approach turned all of that on its head and it proved that you could deliver really simple services around user needs it was absolutely transformational and i know it's often sort of you know user-centered design and all of those things are still sort of talked about sort of like almost as commonplace but i can't tell you how it transformed that whole design of the digital marketplace the whole approach that was then um, enforced through spend controls and gds at the time how that changed the way this whole supply chain, including the way all of us thought about it, both from the technology buyer side, but also how I think about it now supply side, is having that user need, that user-centric sort of um, position is absolutely vital because it forces you to think about the things that will meet those needs as opposed to like you know some kind of selfish approach where you're going okay well look let's design something that's going to meet the needs of the process that we might have in place it doesn't challenge any of that so how i find it now supply side is that gave me such a good platform for supporting government departments and agencies and in fact it was always thought that it would evolve even when it was first set up and it has done i mean it's been remarkable in terms of the evolution that it'd be available to the wider public sector and a greater number of suppliers of all shapes and sizes and indeed that has panned out i mean it's just incredible you talked about patterns earlier I wanted you to expand a bit on that i think i know what you mean but i don't know if all of our listeners will know exactly what you mean sure 
So we hear of design patterns being referred to very frequently in the service design community in digital data and technology across government. So these are effectively things which uh, have been tried and tested very thoroughly in terms of the extent to which they meet user needs. And they are repeatable and means that any service team across government can pick up the pattern and use them without having to start from a blank piece of paper. So these might be things like pretty much every aspect of the gov.uk design toolkit and the design system these are all things that have been thoroughly tested by the community so that others across government can pick those things up and don't have to start from a, from a blank slate so the same for me, when we started looking at procurement reform and what success would look like, that was where I drew some of my early inspiration from, from exactly what that community of practice had been doing. So when I started to look into things like, and you mentioned it already, David, the contract simplification, I was thinking, surely somebody somewhere has already done the hard work to make this quite complex area in government simpler. So some of my inspiration came from, I think it was Mike Bracken's blog post about doing the hard work to make things simple one of the design principles talking about civil claims within a ministry of justice system and it was talking about in the old service or documentation was using kind of victoriana talking about dwelling places instead of households or whatever and in mike's blog post he talked about if there is legalistic terms use plain language or explain if that's not possible for whatever reason explain what that means so that's one kind of area of inspiration and another was in matt edgar's work around that his blog post he published called most of government is mostly service design most time and i thought well this is really true in procurement and commercial and also then i was talking to a doctoral researcher called Stefania Passera was applying information design and user-centered approaches to address exactly what I should describe it, the wall of text, which is generally the case in, in contracts. So this kind of amalgamation of design thinking, multidisciplinary approaches to simplify complex areas of government, procurement being one of those, was really how I started to then think about how do we make then the repeatable components or patterns that might help other organizations within the UK and dealing internationally to make the same mistakes that we were making, but to build on the work and also to start forming a global community of practitioners who could then feed into the constant evolution and improvement of exactly those kind of patterns. So that looking to help others around the world who invariably are trying to tackle the same challenges when it comes to complex public procurement within their own context. So yeah, that was really the thing there around patterns is creating something that is is good quality, reusable, and means that others can reuse it very easily by making those things open source. That's great to hear that, Warren. I think you mentioned just the design principles a minute ago. I think for me in procurement is government design principle 10, where it talks about making things open. And at the start of this, we talked about open and transparent spend data dashboard from the digital marketplace. I think I really applaud people for keeping that going. And then you sort of spoke about helping creating a community of people that want to get over the wall of text. And I suppose, James, for people listening internationally who've heard about the digital marketplace, what advice would you give to those people thinking, oh, I've heard about it, we need to do it, we need to do something similar. We've heard some things about patterns from Warren, but also from your side, it'd be good to get some tips and advice from you and potentially what you would advise them to do next. 
Well, I can't hold more than three things in my head at any one, at one time. So just to pick up on those things, the core things that people need to think about is how do you establish the programme purpose? And for me, effectively, the approach should be around simplifying the noise. What is it, the heart of this that you're trying to deliver? The second thing is how do you increase the buy-in of that programme? And again, I think the approach is, is show the value. What is it? What's in it for me? What's in it for the stakeholders? All of those aspects. And then the third thing is strengthen and build on partnerships. And that goes back to your transparency point. You know, be open, show the thing and the people. Absolutely echo James's points. I think working in the open is fundamental. And I think as part of that, it's also being honest about the challenges that different teams or countries or organisations have, have faced. In some contexts, they're dealing with increasingly challenging situations like corruption and bribery. It's, this is quite often rife in public procurement. It's their government's number one corruption risk area. As Gavin Heyman from the Open Contracting Partnership described before, it's where discretion and opacity collide and it's really a breeding ground for not so great things to happen. But I think just I would also expand on we are in the internet era and we're no longer working within a relatively constrained decision-making framework of uh, it's build or it's buy. These things are often described as an intention with each other, whereas actually they are complementary. And I think there's a third dimension, which is about the importance of reuse. And there are an increasing range of digital public goods and digital public infrastructure that governments around the world are investing in and contributing those things into a wider ecosystem of reusable infrastructure so it's really important that i would suggest people first look at what is available for reuse and then approach the build and buy decisions based on a very clear understanding of what exists and what is available from the market in terms of ponentized cloud-based as a service software capabilities and so i think there's a really interesting kind of construction and architectural piece around how those different elements fit together and also there is a community so contribute to that community look sideways to understand what who is doing what and where and contribute to that community through your own experience and an investment in digital public goods and i think picking up on that point around that openness is change isn't easy it's really hard there's lots of things that have to be different when you're trying to implement those things and one of the wonderful things about the digital marketplace it was always honest around that it recognized there's going to be lots of vested interest trying to stop the change either overtly or covertly and one of the ways you address that is harnessing the learnings from before engaging with wider communities of practice and then reuse the things that they've learned and the artifacts that they've created to develop one or two or maybe more a series of pilots that prove your approach will work and adjust and be honest about some of those things and i think that's why the digital marketplace has been so successful and is why it's such a template for how you should approach it regardless of your context context and regardless of where you are in the world is because it always recognized you're not going to get all of the things right all the time and you are going to encounter those problems but if you all work hard and fast to overcome those you get the work done that program will be delivered and i think that's the wonder of the digital marketplace i think is an often it's not understood about what an amazing change angel it has been and the other did want to not forget is with all of these change programs and i only reflected this after i left the civil services there are key 
key part of the delivery of these things and the changes that you're trying to do is about sort of leadership and patronage. You need to have people in charge who've got the strength to make decisions, can be quite often strategic in nature, but actually people might not always buy in, but you need to have that. And within that leadership, and again goes back to the openness, is about access to an understanding of the information necessary to make the right decisions and access to, I guess, the stature within that community with key stakeholders. And that's why the communities of practice are so important. That's why the openness is so important. And that's why I think the digital marketplace is an exemplar of how you do that. And the ability that was able to communicate the aims and objectives, not just early on, but all the way through uh, that has delivered unbelievable change and given back to the transparency point the visibility that has supported the execution of multiple complex to not so complex programs across the whole of the public sector in the UK it's absolutely remarkable I'm very proud to have been a small part of it Thank you very much to James Finlay of Stance Global and Warren Smith, Associate Director at Kershaw Limited. Both have given us an insight into what the digital marketplace was set up to do, what it has done, and what it has meant to public procurement, to the market, both large and small, and also the fact that it's been a really strong exemplar for procurement in the internet age. And I think as we explore more sessions within this mini-series of podcasts, we'll speak to people who have been involved in further parts of the digital marketplace, and all of which is to celebrate this eighth anniversary of the digital marketplace. We look forward to seeing where it goes in the future. Thank you for listening. Find us at www.co kershaw.com i've been your host david kershaw thank you for listening subscribe and stay tuned for more